Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Ephesians 6.10 is our... um Oh, it's just our passage we've been studying for this series, if you will. I didn't intend for it to be a series. It's kind of been rolling out that way. And so we started a couple weeks ago. I don't want to review. don't have time talking about the um, open our eyes. Eyes wide open spiritually this year to what God has for us. So we can roll into this year better prepared, more equipped um, with our eyes wide open spiritually because that's where the real battle is fought. I think that we're looking at so many things. We just mentioned them earlier. So many... Uh, uh, things are happening in the world today. It seems like we're trying to address hate with other things. We can't legislate away hate. You can't legislate away prejudice. You can't legislate away. I mean, I, I appreciate what they're trying to do to protect everybody's rights, this and that, and you can have your own opinions, and I do mine on that. But really, the only thing is to address the problem at the root. Everything has a spiritual root. And so the Apostle Paul is very clear, and he gives us a way to address that. And if you and I will open our eyes up to the spiritual realm, which sounds a little weird, spooky, but it's not. Can I tell you, the enemy wants you to like think that that's weird and spooky. Okay, I thought this church was normal, all right? Can I tell you, we're not. We don't want to be, right? Normal doesn't work. And I already said last week, people think this church is weird. No, I'm not. Some of you are, but I'm not. But we're just talking about the truth of God's word, and we need to recognize that. Because if the enemy can get you or convince you to believe that's not real, and you need to address everything physically, then you've lost, even though you've won. And you're not going to experience the victory he's provided. You realize he's provided, Jesus provided the victory spiritually? But some of us are not walking a victory naturally because we don't understand the dynamic there. And my, my job is to equip you and empower you, and that's what I want to do. So Ephesians 6.10, let's read that again through 18. Here's what it says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's where the battles fought. Therefore, take up the armor of God that you may be able to withstand the, in, the, in the evil day. Days are evil, and having done all to stand, stand. Therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication or petition in the spirit, being watchful, eyes wide open to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The apostle Paul is telling us that this battle is not physical, it's not flesh and blood, it is spiritual. And whatever your battle struggle or attack is today, its roots are in the spiritual realm. So if we do not address the cause, we cannot get to the cure. If we do not address the cause, we cannot get to the cure. The enemy doesn't want you to believe it begins in the spirit realm because he doesn't want you to address it spiritually. He wants to keep you, from de- he wants to keep you dealing with the physical fruit so you don't deal with the spiritual root. How you like that? Right? We're trying to focus on the physical fruit. We miss the spiritual root where the battle is. So Paul says the battle's in the heavenly places. We saw that in verse 12, the heavenly realm. So that's where the fight has to be. The good news is, I've already said this, the good news for you and I, because it seems a little intimidating, it seems a little overwhelming, it seems a little beyond our reach, really the spiritual realm. The good news is Jesus already won the battle there. He went to the cross to pay for our sins, forgiveness. And then it says, and then he went to hell and did battle there. 
He defeated hell, death, and the grave, and he took the keys to the kingdom and the spiritual realm. The devil don't own the keys, Jesus does. So the victory's been won, and you and I can say this, it seems like this weird because if the victory's been won spiritually, I feel like I'm losing physically, and that's because we're not addressing it in the proper way. But Paul tells us how we handle that, how do we manage that? Because the battle's been won, but many of us are not walking in that victory. So Paul says, stand firm. So if you wanna be victorious in the physical, like we are in the spiritual, we must address the physical spiritually. If we don't, then we won't experience the victory that's already been won for us. And one of the hardest things for me to get to you and for God to get to you, to his people, is to look at life and live life from a spiritual perspective. Not from a physical perspective of five senses. Our five senses rule our life and we address everything through there. But what God wants to do, what I want to do in this series is help to give us more of a spiritual perspective. So look at verse 18 again. 618 says this. Um, Guys, you can jump back to 618 for me. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Notice how often the word prayer or a type of word prayer is used. That's why 21 days of prayer are so important. Somebody asked me why 21 days. We see that in Daniel and other places, but understand this. 21 days in the natural is how long it takes to create a habit. You get up and pray for 21 days. Guess what? 22 is not going to be so hard. 23, but don't look at it like, oh my goodness, I'm almost at the end of 21 days. Thank goodness I can go back to my normal routine. Can I tell you, don't do that. Don't do that. Keep going forward. You're just trying to create a habit. So uh, prayer is used so many times, so many forms of the word prayer in that scripture. And he closes out this passage on spiritual warfare with a call to prayer. Put on the armor. How do you put on the armor that God's given us a victory in? Well, the answer is prayer. Develop a lifestyle of prayer. So we need to understand prayer better. We need to go a little bit deeper. That's my hope today. And when you understand prayer, Really, it changes everything. I mean, we need to understand prayer. I'm gonna do a series on prayer, not yet, but we need to understand it more because we're praying a lot of times just ineffective prayers. And there really is an effective prayer that can be prayed. We'll talk about that somewhat this morning because unfortunately, prayers become routine. You know that I can pray different prayers without even thinking. And that's not necessarily a good thing, right? I can do a lot of things without thinking. That's not always a good thing, right? I do most of them that way. No, I'm just kidding. But there's things that we do. Like we, 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 we tend to make prayer like, a, like I heard it said this way in an illustration, like it's the national anthem before a ball game. It's just, it's just like something you do before the real activity, right? It's like we can wake up in the morning and pray our prayer for the day. We can, we can pray our prayer over the food. God bless his food to the nourish from our body. In Jesus' name, amen. One breath. Very fast, like one big long word. We, we know it that well. We know it that well. Now I lay me down to sleep prayers. Prayers become routine for a lot of us, unfortunately, which the enemy loves that, by the way. Or this illustration was said, or prayers like a spare tire. We don't ride on it unless we need to in an emergency. We know it's there if we need it. And Paul wants to explain so we can understand prayer so it will change when you pray, how you pray, and what you pray, and what you receive when you pray. So let me give you a definition of prayer. I gave you one last week. It's relational communication with God. Let me give you one in the context of today. Prayer is earthly permission for heavenly intervention. Earthly permission for heavenly intervention. Earth giving heaven permission to intervene in my reality from the spiritual point of view. Prayer is giving heaven permission to intervene, which then begs the question, why does heaven need permission? Why must I get, give heaven permission? Well, in order to understand that, we need to understand how God organized the world. He organized it in a certain way to work a certain way. God organized it to work through people. 
You realize that's how God organized the world to work through people, right? When the garden, Adam and Eve, he gave them rule or authority over everything. Take dominion, take authority. And then we know they gave it, the enemy came in, but God still didn't change his mind. It still has to work through people. People have the ability to ask God to intervene or give him the permission to intervene in our lives, our humanity. God gave rulership over the earth and he joins us when invited to do so. So there are many things, maybe most things, that God does not intervene in unless requested because I think partly he wants you to know, he wants to know that you need him. You want him. You desire him. And so he doesn't intervene or participate unless requested to do so. So God has given you and I the right, listen to this, God has given you and I the right to leave him out. He's given you and I the right to leave him out. You can operate independently of him. It's your choice. And we choose to do that way, way, way too much. So understand this, prayer doesn't make God do anything. It doesn't force him into anything. It does not manipulate him into anything. Listen, if God doesn't plan to do it, it doesn't matter how much you pray about it. Come on. (laughs) If God doesn't plan to do it, you can play. How many things are we praying God to do that he's just not planning on doing, right? It's like, could you just give up and switch over to maybe a more effective prayer? Right? Use your time and energy in that a little bit. And then we get discouraged because we're asking God to do things he never planned to do. He's not going to violate himself. He's not going to violate his word. Listen, if God doesn't plan to do it, doesn't matter how much you pray about it, prayer does not force God into anything. What prayer does, it calls on God to intervene in ways he wants to intervene anyway, but he won't do it until requested to do so. Let's look at a couple examples in the word. Look at James 5, 16 for me. Listen to this here. Confess your trespasses to one another, and listen to what this says, and pray for one another that you might be healed. It seems to me like he's saying the condition on the healing is the prayer. If you pray, then you can be healed. It's, a, it's conditional. Pray for one another so you can be healed. He makes a condition of the healing the prayer. Then he makes a general statement here that you may be healed, and he makes a statement, the effective or effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, a man walking pleasing to God, avails much. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Avails much. Not just a little, avails much. A man living to please God. Now then take a look, because we stop right here. We already saw that the healing is conditioned on the prayer, asking God to intervene. Now look at what it says here in verses 17 and 18, because here's where we stop. But to fully understand the scripture, you need to read 17 and 18. So he goes on to say this in 17, immediately following that statement. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Oh, if I could just have the faith of the prophets of old. Can I tell you, you have the same nature they have. But if I just lived back then when God was, you know, right now, it's the same. You have the same nature, the same opportunity, the same opportunity for relationship as anybody else did. But Elijah was a man with a nature just like you. And he prayed earnestly. There's a difference there. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Listen to what he's talking about. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Verse 18 says, and then he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth produced fruit. We see things happening because Elijah prayed. Elijah prayed, and then the rain held, and then Elijah prayed, and then the rain came and produced life on the earth as rain is supposed to do. Rain is supposed to produce life. But really to understand what's being said here, the point that's being made is that this ordinary man got heaven to move through prayer. There was a problem on earth. 
He prayed, he called on heaven and heaven moved. So let's go back to the original story of when he prayed. Take a look at 1 Kings 18. So this is a great scripture. We just saw 16, 17, and 18, giving us a little bit of an illustration. Now let's go back to see the origins of it and to understand it better in 1 Kings 18, 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. God's speaking to Elijah. He's saying, go present yourself to Ahab, I intend to bring rain on the earth in the third year. So in this scripture right here, we need to understand that God said, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain. What did God say he would do? Send rain. God said, this is what I'm going to do. Now take a look at first Kings 18 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink for there is a sound of an abundance of rain. And so Ahab went up to eat and drink. Now listen to this, and and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, then he bowed down on the ground to get in a position of prayer and put his face between his knees. And he said to the servant, go up now and look toward the sea. So he went and looked up and said, there's nothing. And seven times again, he said to go. So he's praying, go look. He's praying, go look. He's praying, go look. And then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there's a cloud as as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. What's happening right here? Well, God says, it's gonna rain. So when Elijah prayed, he only prayed what God said. He prayed what God intended. He got down in a posture of prayer and he prayed what God said. God said it was gonna rain, but what God said, but what God said did not come true until Elijah prayed. Even though God declared it in the heavenly realm or the spirit realm, there was no rain until it got called down by Elijah. Elijah called down what God intended to do by praying what God intended to do. So he called it down and then the rain came. Wow, there's a powerful point right there. Prayer calmed down what God had already intended to do. Prayer didn't make God do something he hadn't planned to do. All prayer did is call down what God planned to do. The problem is some of us have no idea what God plans to do. How can you call down what God wants to do when you have no idea? God said, well, yeah, what God told him. Well, yeah, what God told you, I don't have my Bible up here, but God told you in his word what he plans for your life. And we're praying all kinds of things like it's gonna force God to move. But what we're not praying half the time is what God intends for your life. We go to prayer with so many other things. And Elijah's like, he's getting, understand this is a powerful thing I want you to see here. I hope I can explain it to you. He bowed down on the ground, verse 42 said, put his face between his knees. And in that day, back in the olden days, in that day, that was a birthing position. That's how ladies gave birth back in the old day. They would crouch down and they would put their head between their knees and then they would push. It's the same thing. You can get the same picture. This is what Elijah's doing. What is he doing? He's birthing something to life. That which is intended in heaven, he's birthing something. So he's praying or he's pushing and he's pushing seven times until he gives birth to what God intended to happen. He gives birth to the life called rain on the earth. And I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, how many times do we give up without pushing and pushing until that thing is birthed? Like what God intended. And we're trying to pray things that God did not intend to happen on this earth or in your life. 
Can I tell you the word of God is a seed in your body, in you? When you read what God plans for your life, that should be a seed in you. And then you should find time trying to birth it or push it out. It's like you're expecting. What are you expecting? I know this is a silly illustration, especially for men, but come on, man. God gives a seed in the word that jumps into your heart and your spirit, and then you become expectant. Expecting. And so what do you do? You get in that birthing position until you push, until what's birthed is what God intended to come out on this life, on this planet. Oh, we have so much to learn about prayer. I'm tired already. I got myself worked up, and I'm not even pushing. It's like, it's like I'm excited about this because I'm seeing this is it. We got to push. We got to push what God intended. We got to push not our own agenda. We got to push not our own wants and desires. Now we got to push not our own responses. This is going to wear you out. You need to push the things that God intends from heaven to get to this earth. What he already said in his word for you. What are you, what are you, what are you pushing? You know what we're doing? We're pushing people away. We're pushing the answer away because we're praying out our own agendas and stuff. What we want to happen. Not what God intended. Not what God said. We're pushing our spouses away. We're pushing our kids away. We're pushing our answer away. We're pushing our healing away. We're pushing our blessing away. Because we don't know what God says about your life. What he planned. He's already said everything he's going to say about your life. And it's already intended there in heaven. And he puts in his word as a seed so it'll be expecting in you. So you'll push it until it's birthed into life. That's what the scripture says. Elijah heard God's plan, it became a seed. So he's expecting it to be birthed. Why not go up to the mountain then? Why not be bold and courageous then? Because it's God's word that he was speaking, not his own word. When God says he intends for that to happen, then you need to push about your marriage, about your children, your family, your finances, your health, your mind, your future. Maybe it's time to push and pray to pull it down from heaven and give life to it. All I just prayer did was grab what God intended to do and bring it down to the earth. Prayer's not making God do something he never intended to do. Prayer is taking something God intended to do and dragging it down to earth. But it doesn't just happen on earth just because it was intended in heaven. It happened on earth because it was grabbed on earth when heaven had, has already declared it to be and brought down to earth by our participation. So Paul says it's an earthly permission for heavenly intervention, predicated on the fact that this is what heaven intends to do. And that's a key, predicated on the fact that this is what heaven intends to do. Your problem is in heavenly places. That's what we're talking about, spiritual warfare. Heavenly places, heavenly realms. Your problem's in heavenly places and prayer takes you there. Prayer is the human means of utilizing the armor supernaturally. Ephesians six seventeen. take a look at the last piece of armor. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword. Here's the last piece. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The last piece of armor before talking about prayer is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. In other words, the best way to pray is when you throw God's word back up at him. The best way to pray is when you throw God's word back up at him. Again, our problem is, not a power problem, is we have a word problem. The word is power, by the way. And when you throw that back up in God's face, God, this is what you said. You said it was going to rain. You said it was going to happen. Elijah knew he could pray for rain because he had heard the word of God about the rain. He heard the word. So he knew what to expect because he knew God had said. Knowing that God has said, then praying what God has said gives you a... 
Knowing what God has said and praying what God said gives you authority in the spiritual realm. God said it, God intends it. There's no devil in hell that can stop it, right? Jesus already won the victory spiritually. Come on, everybody. He won the victory spiritually. So when you pray what God said and what he intends, you have authority in the spiritual realm. You're walking in the victory that Jesus already provided for you because he has authority over it and he's given you authority. Let me say it this way. If that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you, maybe this will. If you don't know what God has said or you don't know what to expect from God, then you'll pray vague, empty, ineffectual prayers. And the armor won't seem to work because you're not connecting it with heaven or the spiritual realm, which is where it operates. And so a lot of us are getting really tired of praying these prayers that seemingly aren't getting answered. And God's getting really tired of hearing your prayers without connecting to heaven. Because he wants to help. But you're not inviting him in with what he intends to do. Because you can't force him into anything. He's God. But you can invite him in to everything. And Paul's saying, I want to make, make it so you can connect with God, connect with heaven. When we pray, we need to connect with God. You realize the scripture says God is a spirit. Is to be worshiped in spirit and in truth. So we got to connect with him spiritually. We connect with God spiritually, not in flesh and blood. We can do a lot of connecting. A lot of our prayers are trying to connect flesh and blood. <laughs> Isn't that true? Our prayer requests to people are mostly just to get sympathy or maybe a little bit of gossip. I mean, I just want to tell you this because you need to, we need to pray for them, right? None of it, a lot of it's not even connecting with God. And so when you connect and your prayers connect with flesh and blood, all you get is sympathy. When you connect with heaven, you get answers. So we need to examine our prayers. What we need is heaven to invade earth. And when you throw God's word back at him in prayer, you're not making him do anything. You're just receiving by faith what he already intended to do. And all around us, let me illustrate this way. All around us, there's invisible waves. Like I, uh, I know that today, uh, earlier when we got here, uh, Carson uh, is in our sound, runs all our a lot of our technical things that I don't understand any of it. And he's like, the internet's down. I'm working on it. And then shortly after, the internet's back up. I'm like, well, how can you tell? <laughs> you know the internet's down. Because my phone says LTE, I guess, right? So there's waves all around us, right? Here's my point. There's waves all around. I don't know how it works. Internet, Bluetooth, I don't know. Radio waves, TV waves, all around us. You can't see them, but they're everywhere. And what do you need to do? You need a receiver to pull it down so it's visible. You pull it from the invisible to the visible. That's what you do when you throw God's word back up at him. That what he intends to do, what he said, what he planned, when you throw it back up at him, then it brings it down to something from invisible to visible. Something that you can see and hear now. I don't see and hear him working, but you know what? He's working. He's all over this place. His angels are all over this place. His angels are everywhere you go. You can't see him. You can't feel him. You cannot hear him. But when you connect with heaven, you pull it down from the invisible to the visible. You pull it down. That's how everything that we see in the world works with the internet and phone and TV and all that kind of stuff. It just makes sense. Let's go to verse 18 again, Ephesians 6, 18. So Paul says prayer is a means by contacting the invisible and bringing it to the visible. And that's when you get the armor to work. Let's see, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. There's another aspect of this we'll talk about another time, but I wanna focus on the in the spirit again. Being watchful to the end, in the spirit. Now let me focus on this word first. Uh, you need to get this up. Uh, 
praying always with all prayer, praying always. Uh, another translation, your translation might say pray at all times. Now, when it says praying always or all times, the word in the Greek here translated is kairos, and kairos does not mean 24-7. That's a different word for time. That's the word chronos. Chronos is used when, it, when we, we looked last week, I uh, um, can't remember the scripture, 517, can't remember the book, but it says pray without ceasing. That's a different one. That means being in contact with God constantly. This one means praying at all times or praying always means kairos, which means opportune times, opportunities. What is he talking about? He says, when the days are evil, that's the time to pray like this. In the evil day, in the evil day, pray like this. I don't know if you're experiencing an evil day. We talked last week, an evil week, an evil month, an evil year. I don't know. But when it's the evil day, that's when you need to pray like this. You need to take this moment, this opportunity, because he's talking in the context of spiritual warfare, and he's talking in context of putting on the armor. In the evil day, you need to put on the armor. Armor. <laughs> Did I say caramel? Am I, I'm fasting. I'm like, sweet, sorry, come on, caramel. Pour it in. Pour it out, Lord. Pour the caramel out. Pour it out. Put on the armor. Put on the armor. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. Praying in the evil day. This way. Put on the armor. He's talking about... <laughs> At least I'm not saying tacos or something like that. I don't know. Okay, he's talking about the evil day. That's the day when all hell breaks loose. That's the day when you're under major attack. That's the day when you think you're not gonna make it and you're ready to quit. That's the day when your dreams seem to be being broken and nothing goes right on that day during that time when under that kind of attack, you need this kind of prayer. You need an Elijah kind of prayer where you go through, you go and throw God's stuff back up at him so he can intervene in your circumstances. You need the Elijah kind of prayer when you drop to your knees and you're pushing, pushing, and pushing until your answer comes and you birth into life what God wants and he intends from heaven on this earth. That's what you need. I told you I was a little excited today. You were to call on him, verse 18, you're to call on him in the spirit. Let me say, because this is confusing to some, there is a praying in the spirit that goes back with our relationship with the Holy Spirit, the speaking in tongues, and we believe that here. We're not talking about that today. It's another time, but I want you to understand this. Praying in the spirit is calling on him spiritually. Let me explain that. The opposite of the spirit is flesh, and maybe the way to understand this is by looking at praying in the flesh. That is mouthing words with no spiritual attachment to them. In other words, it's simply my humanity praying with no spiritual connection. But to pray in the spirit means that you are making a spiritual connection to the communication with God. You're making a spiritual connection with what you want to take place with God. You do this, listen to me, you do this, make a spiritual connection in your communication with God. You do this by quoting scripture in your prayers and by taking a principle of scripture and placing it before God. It's not this weird, spooky thing, you know, like speaking, well, I don't speak in tongues, so I, or whatever that thing. I do, and I love it, and it's great, it's powerful, and it's not what we're talking about. But don't miss what Paul's saying here, because wherever you feel about this, everybody can take the word of God into your prayer time, or the principle of God into your prayer time, and pray and connect with him spiritually. The problem is when we don't do that. But everybody can do that. Everybody can do the other two, but everybody can do that. Listen, it's this. 
God, you said you'll supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. And I'm going through a real tough spot right now financially, God. But I believe what you said. And I'm going to stand and believe that. And I'm going to push that out until I see the result in Jesus' name. You said you've never seen the righteous forsaken or your children begging for bread. God, you said by your stripes I am healed. God, you said I'm an overcomer and I'm above and not beneath. God, you said. God, you said. God, you said. God's words are spirit. God's words are spirit. So when you pray God's word, you're praying in the spirit. You're connecting with God spiritually. Come on, somebody. That's not hard to understand. And it's true whether you believe it or not. The problem is the devil doesn't want you to believe it because he doesn't want you to attack the root. He wants you to focus on the fruit, not attack the root. You're calling on God and bringing the spirit into the conversation. You're bringing the word of God, the will of God into the presence of God. You're praying in the spirit. Another aspect. Ephesians 6.18 says this. Let's go on. I gotta, I gotta wrap this up. Uh, the band can come on up. Be watchful. Being watchful. Being watchful. What's he saying? Eyes wide open. Keep your eyes open. Be on alert. Another translation says. Eyes wide open. To this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now let's go over to 1 Peter 5.8. Turn to 1 Peter 5.8. Why do we need to keep our eyes open? Why do we need to be watchful? Let me read this for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. vigilant. Keep your eyes open. Because your adversary, and you have an adversary, his name is the devil. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Keep your eyes open when you pray. That's why the devil wants to distract you. When it says he roars, he wants to distract you. He wants to put fear in you. You know when the devil, you know when the lion roars? Either before you ever see him because he wants to put fear in you or after he's conquered you. But he doesn't roar when he's stalking you. A lion doesn't do that. What's a lion do? A lion sneaks up on you. And then he roars after his, he's defeated you, after his conquest. He wants everybody to know. Or he roars before because he wants to put you in fear. Well, can I tell you, the devil's been roaring. A lot of people are hiding in fear. We need to open our eyes and to see it's just a distraction. What's he trying to do? He's trying to distract you from the spiritual. He's trying to keep you focused on the natural. He's trying to distract you to keep you from connecting with the heavenly realm. He's trying, he's trying to distract you. We need to keep our eyes open He's trying to distract you so you won't pray. Your adversary wants to keep you from connecting with heaven. Your adversary wants to keep you from praying at all times. Your adversary wants to keep you from praying in the spirit or bringing the word of God into your prayers. Your adversary wants to keep you from praying through God's word. Your adversary wants to keep you from pushing and birthing what God intended. Your adversary wants to keep you from reaching up into heaven and pulling down the rain God intends on the earth to produce what is needed. So we gotta be like Elijah and we gotta pray what God has said. We gotta push so I say the more he roars, the more we pray. Come on, somebody. I say the more he roars, the more we get down on our knees and we call down on heaven and we pull forth the answer God intended for this earth. The more he roars, the more we push. The more he roars, the more we pull down the rain. I say let the devil roar and let God reign. I say let the devil, devour, let the devil do what he does. Listen. The devil's trying to devour my marriage and I pray God's raining down on my marriage. The devil's trying to devour my family and my kids. I pray the rain falls of God falls on my kids. The devil's trying to devour my finances. I pray God's rain is poured out on my finances. The devil's trying to devour my body physically and my mind. I pray God's rain. I say, let it rain. Come on, 
church, stand to our feet. Let it rain. Pour out, God, upon us. Pour out on us. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.